Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Z. Welcome to this live episode, which is an update of where we are now with COVID-19 and my thinking, which is influenced by many others, especially recently, Dr. Robbie Pearl, who used to run the Kaiser system on the West Coast and mid-Atlantic states, he wrote a really good piece in Forbes about how we can think about our management of this pandemic so far. So when we first started this whole thing, it was clear that nobody knew what they were doing. It was a fear-driven process. We didn't know enough about the virus, how it's transmitted, who it's affecting, et cetera. So there was a blanket recommendation to shut everything down, which I think was the correct decision in the beginning. But as we're starting to learn what's going on, we're seeing something emerge, which is 80% of the people who are dying of this disease are in the 20% of the population that are over 65. And you can broaden it even further and say in in New York, for example, 88% of people who were hospitalized with coronavirus actually had two or more chronic diseases, hypertension, diabetes, et cetera. So, you can actually say, okay, we know this is a scary disease in those populations. It can be very fatal, can cause a lot of harm to people, hospitalizations, et cetera. And in the early days when we didn't have enough PPE, which we still don't, for hospital workers, we were sending everybody to the hospitals and people were getting sick in hospitals and and this idea of shutting everything down across the board made a lot of sense. But now we're seeing, okay, who are the at-risk people now, that doesn't mean that younger people can't get it. Remember, there's still the 20% that will get it without a lot of risk factors and all of that. Now, understanding that you cannot reduce risk from this disease to zero. Everybody's magically hoping the thing's just gonna go poof and it's gonna disappear. I think it's gonna dip quite a bit in the warm months, but it's gonna come back. It's not going anywhere until you have an effective vaccine that everyone actually takes, and that could take a longer time than anybody's letting you you know, believe in the press. So if this thing is with us and this is a marathon, we better look at what we're doing. You cannot save everyone. You would have to shut down all the highways to stop, say, traffic fatalities. We're not willing to do that. And why is that? Because then when you look at COVID in particular, and I'm gonna pull up your comments here, when you look at COVID in particular, you have three buckets that you have to balance that are competing interests, actually. And when you maximize for one, you will actually potentially harm the other buckets. And the buckets are this, one is the health bucket. So public health officials, frontline healthcare workers, people like that care a lot about people dying from this disease. So their approach will be reduce the number of deaths as much as you can. How do you do that? Aggressive shutdowns and lockdowns, uh, stay at home. So you have all these people saying, you know, putting stay home and their Twitter handles and all of that. And that's that particular value system. 
they care about that bucket the most. And so you can optimize for that bucket by making sure you shut everything down, people stay far away from each other, universal masking, um, all big events canceled, people staying as far away from each other as they can, great. That's how you optimize for saving lives that would be lost to COVID-19 directly. But what's bucket two that you're compromising on? Bucket two is the economy. So in the economy, you're talking about small business owners. You're talking about large business owners. You're talking about, ironically, hospitals and health systems and small practices. You're talking about Uber drivers. You're talking about the airlines. People that employ and allow millions, hundreds of millions of Americans and others to survive, right? In a, in a way that is absent of a government handout. So that those groups, the small business owners, see an existential threat to everything they've worked to build. And so those are the people that then align themselves more politically with groups that are saying, oh, they're either denying this is a big deal or saying all the numbers are inflated or going to the conspiracy theorists or going and protesting without masks. Totally different moral palette. We talked about this in another show, totally different emphasis on what's important to them. So if you maximize the benefit to that group, knowing that also there's overlap, right? So for every 1% rise in unemployment, you may have a 1% increase in the suicide rate. So there's overlap and people who are poor and don't have health insurance don't get good healthcare so they can die. So that affects bucket one, right? The health group. But if you maximize for that group, you are gonna open up the economy broadly without a lot of caveats. You're gonna try to have the free flow of people and goods and services, restaurants, big sporting events, all of that other stuff. And the downside will be people will die who wouldn't have died had you not done that. So to optimize that group means you're gonna cost lives from group number one, absolutely. So now you have attention already. Now throw in group number three. Group number three are mental health professionals, certain political leaders, people with some common sense who are looking at this going, let me see, domestic abuse is on the rise. Alcoholism is on the rise. Suicide calls are on the rise. Mental illness is gonna be spiking. Substance abuse and overdose is gonna rise. Well, that's because we've disrupted the social fabric of social creatures, i.e. us, humans. And by disrupting that, we've led to bumps in all of these things, which we've talked about in other shows before. So to optimize this bucket is tricky because you kind of have to optimize the other two. You wanna make sure that people are not dying of COVID because that can trigger PTSD and healthcare workers and other mental, mental problems. But you also have to make sure the economy isn't totally destroyed and people aren't isolating themselves so much with all this stay home stuff, right? So stay home sounds good on paper until you see the ancillary damage of it. And bucket three is a great example of that. So you can optimize for any of those buckets, but you're gonna harm the other. So what if you actually try to do the best you can to balance all three of those buckets in a way that has the most bang, remembering that we've spent trillions so far so how can we better allocate our resources, our thinking, and our outcomes to something much better? And this is the way I think we can think about it. And I want you to come in the comments and 
let me know how you would think about it, all right? And knowing that your elephant, your unconscious biases are gonna show when you leave your comment, right? Because mine will show too. So for bucket one, the health, keeping people healthy, why now does it make sense to broadly treat everybody the same like they're at the same risk when they're not? If 80% of people dying of this disease are over 65 or have two or more chronic diseases, shouldn't we treat that population as incredibly at risk and continue an aggressive sort of uh, distancing, isolation, et cetera, for them, almost a, a stay at home, because it's an existential threat to their life if they are infected. Understanding as well, from a social standpoint, bucket three, that there will be people in that group of high-risk individuals that will say, I'm willing to take that risk of dying to retain my humanity and my connection with my grandkids and all that. And I don't think Zoom is a way to connect with my grandkids and I want to see my friends and talk to them. Well, then at least we can educate them and say, here are the risks. Are you willing to take the risk of dying or being on a ventilator or having chronic lung scarring or the long-term sequelae or outcomes of COVID? If you're willing to do that, this is still America. You can make those decisions for yourself, but you have to have the right information that isn't purely fear-based or misinformation conspiracy thinking, which you see on both sides of the political spectrum. So. Bucket one means keeping those guys safe and sound. Bucket one also means probably a pretty good, universal, high quality masking regimen when you cannot social distance. Only when you cannot social distance. We have to remove the stigma of that. You know, I still am not sure about throwing a bandana on your face. If we have the resources, people should wear appropriate medical, grade mass, if we can spin up the production because they have to be reserved for healthcare professionals first, when you're in a tight space like a grocery store and all that, and that's also to protect the employees there, especially if they're in one of those risk categories. So if we focus on that population, look at nursing homes, 25% of the deaths are in nursing homes. So what have we done to protect nursing homes? Jack crap. Look at the difference between say Florida and New York. In Florida, they actually did do take some actions to protect nursing home residents. Whereas in New York, they were sending, you know, patients out of COVID wards into nursing homes. And well, that's a hugely at-risk population. So that population, there should be distancing, there should be separating of patients, there should be strict no visitation rules, unfortunately, for the social isolation, but you cannot optimize all the categories and keep those people safe until we have a vaccine or until we have herd immunity or something else changes, right? So in that case, you're targeting high-risk populations. That's bucket one. Be surgical knowing what we know about this. Okay, bucket two, the economy. Well, it still makes sense because the way this thing is spread, and by the way, there's so much misunderstanding about how this thing is spread. Increasingly, it's clear, and CDC makes it worse by confusing people because they know the press is gonna take whatever they say and spin it in a way that is very confusing. So you better be careful what you say, CDC, when you say, oh, you know, it's not, surfaces are not the predominant way it's transmitted. Don't say that, <laughs> because what the press is gonna do is they're gonna say, CDC says surfaces aren't a thing. And then people stop washing their hands, they stop wiping down surfaces, bad idea. Okay, 
we know that the thing is transmitted in several ways. Surfaces touching your face, then you need enough of a viral load on your fingers and stuff to get in your eyes. But really, probably the majority of transmission is what we're seeing is close contact for prolonged periods with someone who's infected. Whether you're talking face-to-face and it's respiratory, or it's getting on surfaces in a common shared space, which is why we're seeing this disproportionately affect certain minority groups that tend to live in multi-generation housing, have different um, conceptions of what is appropriate you know, social distancing within families. And we're seeing more infections in close quarters. And then here we are, stay home, stay home, stay home. You ought to be getting out in the open public, distancing from people instead of stuck in an incubator, guys. So. In the, in the business bucket, we could then say, okay, it's time to open up businesses. It's time to uh, really unclamp on things where we can maintain some degree of social distancing, use some universal masking in small spaces, and be smart about it instead of crazy about it. But that still means big events like sporting events, concerts, even big clubs and dance floors, that's where the thing can really spread quickly because you're in those tight spaces for long periods of time with people who are carrying the disease but don't know it and are shedding virus. And that's, that's a great way to spread it very rapidly. And then what happens is those at-risk groups are potentially gonna be exposed because it's impossible to isolate them completely. So some of those bigger events, you may still wanna keep the clamp on until we have a better understanding or better uh, idea of a vaccine and that kind of thing, which is gonna take a while. So, but we do need to open up. We absolutely need to open up because this crippling of the economy causes actually the other buckets to wobble. Because when the economy's broken, the mental health, the substance abuse, the domestic abuse, the alcoholism goes up and the hospitals become insolvent. Already we're seeing medical professionals furloughed, laid off, that sort of thing. Terrible stuff. How is that gonna prepare us for a second or third wave of surge of this as we open up? So, and remembering that, even though 80% are over a certain age have chronic disease, there's still those 20% of people who get hospitalized that don't have those things. So, you know, you're trying to minimize risk. The way to do that is not just egregiously expose people. You also have to spin up testing, make sure we have contact tracing and do all of that in order to get a better understanding of who's infected and isolate them. That's gonna definitely slow the transmission to vulnerable people, all right? The third bucket, is this mental health bucket and substance abuse bucket and all of that. And that's really directly impacted by the other two. And the, the, the way to deal with that is, first of all, we have to have resources to support people. Second of all, we have to make sure that for, for, the, for the 20% of people that we're saying are very high risk, we need to provide them resources. All this money that we're spending to prop up the economy, to provide unemployment, to do all of that, If we redirected that instead, opened up the economy more and redirected that to the 20% or less that are at high risk, providing them food, social services, support, companionship via technology, those kind of things, whatever it takes, that would be such a more rational and balanced way to proceed instead of this one size fits all blanket that we had to do in the beginning, but now we don't have to do it. This is just a rational way to look at this. And it takes all the different political viewpoints, by the way, and says, yeah, you're all true, but partial. Because 
if we optimize for you, we're gonna harm this. If we optimize for you, we're gonna harm this. Why don't we do the best we can to find a balance? Because this is one country with a bunch of different people in it and a bunch of different groups and every region is slightly different. So let's find a balance that helps the most people. You're never gonna get it perfect. There's always gonna be some harm. So don't expect it to be perfect. Don't let people frighten you all the time too. There's a culture of fear. We've terrified people. They're scared to go out. There's gonna be such a flood of mental illness around just the anxiety of being in public now. We have to start to address that. And with this balanced approach, I think we can do a lot. So that's what I have to say. And for anyone who wants to keep watching, let's read some comments here. If we might, I'm gonna pull up your comments. Of course, this is frozen, so let's try them on the computer. Um, Jesse Ornsmith says, what you said about the second bucket saying uh, release and open the economy will lead to more COVID cases and deaths. Well, is true every year. Ugh! The comments just keep scrolling so fast, I cannot lock them down. Hold on, let me pull it here. Sorry, Jesse. Oh, here we go. Okay, now I got them going. Charles Graham, who's a supporter, says, sorry I joined late, but the one thing I would add is that our approach to COVID, as in really all social, medical, political issues, needs to be regional. Thousand percent, I agree. There can't be a one-size-fits-all, but, but we do need central leadership. We need a voice that's consistent and balanced from the federal government, and we haven't gotten that. Across the political spectrum, it's been chaos. So you can say all healthcare and all policy is local, that's all true, but leadership, leadership can sometimes be in the federal government and it, it's been absent um, or disjointed. Um, so many leaders, so many of us are hesitant, says Ari Denning, to receive a rushed vaccine. I think I will wait until after Dr. Offit receives one. How about you? Honestly, if Paul Offit told me he was comfortable with the research around the vaccine, I would go get it right away because I trust Paul because he's an expert. If Paul told me he still had reservations, then I would have reservations as well because you wanna make sure it is safe and effective like we have with our other vaccines. And if, it's, if we don't have enough evidence of that, then you have to weigh something. If you're in that 20% that's very high risk, would you be willing to take some risk from a vaccine that hasn't been fully tested in the way that we've tested previous vaccines to then allow yourself to come out of the damn house? And that's a personal decision, but you have to have the information to make that choice. One thing I don't agree with is a mandating a vaccine uh, across the board that hasn't gone through the same rigorous testing that previous vaccines have gone through because you're asking young, healthy people who, like I just said, are at very low risk from dying of this disease to take this thing that may potentially have more risk from the vaccine. Now, I'm not saying that's what's gonna happen. I'm saying that you have to test these things, which is what we've done with our armamentarium of current vaccines. So we have to use that approach. There may be more modern approaches to find those answers, but we cannot risk safety for a rushed vaccine. We just can't. And Offit agrees with that. He's been on the show talking about that. Paul is a really good critical thinker and he's not dogmatic at all. That's, that's what separates him from crazy conspiracy theorists on both sides of that. Uh, Colleen Hargraves, how can we do it in a more balanced way? It seems that we started late and it led to the world's worst numbers. Embarrassment is also at play here, not just fear. Well, again, 
There's many reasons that we're late to the party and I did a video on that. I think that um, moving forward though, we can be the best in the world at doing this. Why not? Get woke, right? It, it, we can take a very rational approach. By the way, the way you do that is you steal ideas from people that are doing it well, right? There's that whole saying, saying good comedians borrow, great comedians steal. Well, great public health systems steal from people that have done it right. So you can look at Taiwan, you can look at um, you know anywhere, anywhere that you want that's doing it well and look at people that are doing it poorly and then decide what's your, what's your approach gonna be. Like the Japanese have the oldest population on the planet and they have a very low death rate from this. Why? Look at what they're doing and see what might be correlated. We can't tell causation yet, but we can go, oh, they have pretty universal masking, incredibly high hygiene and social standards where they don't shake hands. Could there be something there, right? So let's look at that. Um, your interview with Offit was amazing. I have a whole new respect for him and vaccines after that one, uh, Katie McGee. Well, that's the thing is Offit isn't a dogmatic lunatic. He's actually a great critical thinker. So he can talk about vaccines, even though he spent his life developing them, he can say, here's why you wanna be really careful with these, because that's what we try to do. That's why he's so hurt by the anti-vaccine movement, because he's like, they just discount uh, everything that's been done, and it's very hard to have a dialogue with them. Um, Norway tests their people many times, they have a low rate as well, Linda Hess, right? So the Norwegians, the Danes, they have a, a very aggressive lockdown and uh, testing program. The Swedes have a slightly different approach. Theirs has been effective, they have a higher rate, uh, case rate and fatality rate, but it's mostly in the elderly. Again, it's this 80-20 rule. And so you can target, they even said we should have dealt with our nursing homes first, we would have had a vastly lower death rate. Targeted interventions that are balanced and that balance those three buckets of health, economy, and mental social fabric of the US. Um, let's read a few more. What are your thoughts on kids in school, Becca Penny? Well, this is interesting because when Offit and I were talking about this in the early days of the pandemic, he was like, we shouldn't have closed the schools because we know these kids are at really low risk, even with these reports of this odd immune syndrome, you know, this um, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, uh, Kawasaki-like syndrome, it's very rare. And a lot of viruses can cause weird autoimmune stuff. So we don't shut down schools because of that. Now, the main reason that schools are shut down is that the children can be vectors to infect vulnerable people, but that can be addressed by saying, hey, vulnerable people, you're gonna have to separate yourself even within your own house from children. But shutting down schools, I think, has been disastrous for the sanity of both parents and children, as well as their, for their education, their socialization, and other things. So again, weighing risk versus benefit, my personal feeling is, and again, I have strong personal feelings on this because I have two children that are at home that are not getting the same education if they had as if they had been at school. Um, I think they should be back in school. And I think the things that California are talking about, which is like staggering, like a month on, a month off for school kids and staggering them so they're not all in the same classroom, I think that's crazy talk, um, fear-driven crazy talk. I don't know what the science is that says that that's a thing, right? I think our approach here of just opening up and balancing and saying people at risk should be kept safe at the bigger risk things, I don't think schools are one of them. Now, colleges are interesting. You have older kids, but still, now you're talking about bucket three, mental health, social fabric, 
Shutting down schools has devastated that. And it's led to abuse at home of these children who are now with abusive, uh, an abusive or abusive parents. And Paul Offit was very concerned about this, as are many other smart people that care about human life. These are not animals or psychopaths we're talking about. So, by the way, one other thing, we should be able to have discussions rationally about this without villainizing each other. Why is it, Why are you a villain, some kind of right-wing lunatic, if you say, you know, the economy kind of matters and maybe, maybe we should open up, you know, because the harms that we're seeing now is, is existential for people with small businesses. Why, why does that make you some kind of monster? That's crazy, you guys. Everybody's trying to do the best they can, and we did a show on that, on, on the moral, uh, moral foundation theory and how you know your value of liberty versus oppression, authority versus subversion, sanctity versus degradation, you know, uh, loyalty versus betrayal, care, you know, c- care versus harm. All of those play into how we make our decisions. We're all trying to be good people. Most of us, there are a few psychopaths out there and crazy people. Um, Tata Mata, that's a great name, says, I went to the pharmacy to pick up medication. I was told the pharmacy will be testing for COVID. What do you think of this? I think the more testing we can do, the better we can get a sense of what the infectious fatality rate is, risk stratify people, and understand that if you tested negative, at least you can say, okay, I, this is, I know my status at this point. We need to get antibody testing more accurate and understand it better so that we can then say, oh, um, young people who have been antibody tested, we wanna be able to say, oh, if you're positive, you're okay. But we can't say that now because the tests are not accurate enough, particularly in areas where the infection rate is low because any positive you get is then more likely to be a false positive, give someone a false sense of security. They go out in the world thinking they're safe and they end up getting COVID, be either being asymptomatic, like 35% of people, and and uh, transmitting it to someone who's at risk thinking they're safe, going to grandpa and being like, oh, I've already had it, you're safe, grandpa, and then killing grandpa inadvertently. So that's the thing. The other thing is, I am so tired of the fear that people have been instilled, it's been instilled by everybody into people. Going out on the street without a mask and passing someone who's not wearing a mask, is not gonna give you COVID-19. It's just not. You don't get enough infectious dose. It seems like all the evidence seems to suggest that this is true. So why then are we saying, you know, we should be putting masks on people in public trail systems? That's crazy. We should be asking people to wear masks if they're going into tight spaces like grocery stores, you know, waiters and stuff in restaurants ought to be wearing masks, because we have seen transmission in those crowded spaces, and it's probably respiratory transmission. Um, So that all being said, please do me a favor. I didn't curse in this video. I didn't curse in this video so you guys would share it, uh, and so that anyone with a moral uh, a moral taste bud of sanctity versus degradation who thinks cursing is truly dirty and disgusting. I don't understand that because I am a authority versus subversion guy and I'm way for subversion. I didn't curse so you guys would share it. Do me a favor, share the video, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Thank you to all our supporters who help support the show here on Facebook and on YouTube and through PayPal uh, who contribute to make all this stuff run. I love you guys. Please stay safe in a balanced way. Stay woke and we are out. Peace. 
Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.